Welcome back to The Everyday Stoic with myself, William Mulligan. Today, I'll be talking about a Stoic principle that has helped me massively and I know will help many of you. This principle, in theory, will help you towards happiness. It has helped me be happier, be calmer, and be a better person, more compassionate and understanding. These lessons will be taken from chapter three of my book, The Everyday Stoic, Simple Rules for a Good Life. Today's episode is powered by Huel. Huel is a quick, affordable, and nutritiously complete food with everything that your body needs. Huel has been powering my everyday from the gym, my workouts to my running, to my work, to my writing, to looking after my daughter and having that well-balanced life. I just know if I take it with me, whether it's one of their drinks, one of their vitamin drinks, or one of their meals, I know that I'm not gonna go to the shops and get some unhealthy snacks or go to a fast food place, wasting a load of money, eating a load of rubbish. I know what I'm getting is good, full of protein, it's nutritiously complete, and it's tasty and practical. In this episode, I'll be taking text from my book, The Everyday Stoic, Simple Rules for a Good Life. Chapter three, I'll read a few pieces of text and then I'll explain it, explain how it can help you, explain how these principles helped me from being uh, roughly the age of 18, being a scared, shy, unconfident individual that felt like the world was against me. I felt oppressed, I felt pushed down, I felt like I was stuck and I couldn't do anything. And I didn't even see that there was a light and there could be change. And using these principles in this following chapter, I was able to become happier, confident, more compassionate, more caring, not just for others, but for myself. And these principles really changed my life. So I hope they help you. And of course, they were blueprints written by the great ancient Stoics of old, 2000 years ago. I've adapted them to the modern age and that's what's helped me, so hopefully they help you. Chapter three, the joy of happiness or all is equal. We all want to be happy. We spend most our lives chasing it in one form or another. One more go on the bounce castle, one more beer, one more evening scrolling on our phones. More than money, more than things, we want to have happiness. Isn't this why this book exists? The Stoics believed there was a path to happiness, something clearly defined and simple to follow. Not necessarily easy, but simple. They believed in seeking eudaimonia, best translated as human flourishing. Happiness wasn't a state achieved by looking after yourself and fulfilling as many of your desires as possible. Instead, it was achieved by living within this triangle of action. At the top of the triangle is take responsibility. At the bottom left of the triangle, focus on what you can control. And at the bottom right, live with arete, or better known as excellence. By keeping within these three points, Stoics understood you could find harmony within your inner self and with the world around you and would find your happiness growing each day. Let's look at these three actions. Number one, take responsibility. We all have hardships in our lives of bigger and smaller sizes, but it's taking responsibility for the steps we choose afterwards that starts us on the path to eudaimonia. Do we let go of regrets and recriminations? Do we take physical and mental care of ourselves as and when needed? 
Do we engage with the world in a way that takes responsibility for what we can and can't control? Which leads us to number two, focus on what you can control. We'll look in the next chapter at the control we have over the world. We have little to no control over when we were born, when we die, certain illnesses or accidents, incidents of good or bad luck, our past, major global events and natural disasters, and what other people decide to do, among many, many other things. All we have control over is our opinions, actions, choices, and motivations, and our own character. So, while it may feel limiting to have so little control over something as large and important as our entire lives, it's also freeing to know this limited list is something we are able to manage and focus on. Which brings us to the final point of the triangle, live with arete. Arete often translates as excellence or goodness. More specifically in this context, the excellence that comes when following the four virtues, wisdom, justice, courage, and temperance. By following these virtues, the Stoics believed that you would naturally be putting yourself on the path to eudaimonia, because by encouraging wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation in your life and in the lives of those around you, you would discover the inner peace and happiness that comes with natural human flourishing. There is a classical parable about Heracles, the great Greek hero coming to a crossroad. There he is invited by two goddesses to make a choice between their two paths. The goddess of vice, Kakia, promises him an easy, pleasant life, while the goddess of virtue, Arete, offers a difficult but glorious life. Of course, Heracles, like any good Greek, chooses Arete and suffers a most laborious struggle before achieving the status of a demigod. But it does tell us that even 2,000 years ago, philosophers grasped that easy wasn't generally better. So the idea of eudaimonia is, is what the Stoics called human flourishing. It is when you're becoming the best version of yourself and you're living in accordance with nature. And in a sense, this was the ultimate goal of Stoicism, to live in accordance with nature. Um, and they had a path. It was achieved by living within the eudaimonic triangle. And the thing I like about the eudaimonic triangle is it's such a simple structure to live the good life, but it's also attainable straight away today. It's not like some of these goals you have that are only achieved after 80 years of meditation or practice. You can achieve this triangle right away and it will improve your life and your character right away. So the idea is that we focus on what we can control. The reason we focus on what we can control is because, as the Stoics believed, most of the world, the external world, is out of our control and it will happen as it does happen. So what we do is focus on what we can control. Our own reaction to the things that happens, our own opinion to the things that happens, what we decide to do with the thing that has been handed to us, or maybe what we don't decide to do, our desire or aversion. So as the Stokes say, amor fati, love your fate. You have been handed something and it's been given to you, so you can decide what you want to do with it. So the thing I like about Stoicism is these middle Stoa, Epictetus, 
Marcus Aurelius Seneca, they took these teachings and they incorporated it into their life and they helped themselves, they helped their students and the people around them. Um, and in order to do this, they wrote a structure on how to follow these Stoic practices and they gave simple guidelines, they gave small quotes and ways that you can take these great teachings, these blueprints from the ancient Stoics and you can incorporate them into your life quite simply and quite easily. Although it's a challenge and it takes a long time, you can start right away. For example, with the eudaimonic triangle, you can begin straight away by following that structure in order to live the life of eudaimonia and become the best version of yourself. And it's simple. And the way in which this has helped me is, number one, focusing on what I can control. I no longer waste my time and energy on things that I can't control. And it's a very long path. I write this in the book. It wasn't the first day I heard about the dichotomy of control and I said, right, no longer focus on that 99% of externals. It took many years, probably about 10 years before I really let go of all these externals and the things that I can't control. But it is very, very calming when you realize how much little control you have, you realize that you don't need to really focus on that much and you can focus on the important things like your own character. So as the Stoics say, amor fati, the love of your fate, life happens as it does. Um, and I know a lot of people don't believe this, a lot of people don't believe in God or a divine purpose, but the way in which I explain it to non-believers is that, you know, if a tornado is about to happen or a tornado happens, you was never going to stop that. So this fate has been handed to you, it's been handed to everyone. And what you do and what you can control is your reaction to this. So say it's not a tornado, it's a storm and it's terrible weather, it's ruined your day. Um, you can complain and moan about this thing happening, about it ruining your day. Or you can say, right, this thing has happened, let's change the plans. Um, I'm not going to let this ruin my day. You can choose how it affects you. You can choose um, what you do beyond this and you can choose what you don't do beyond this. You can choose your desire or your aversion. And another thing is coming to the parable of Heracles is something that's really helped me, is understanding that easy isn't always best. And I think most humans take the path of least resistance, which is why we end up doing things that aren't good for us. Uh, we end up procrastinating because it's easy to just scroll your phone, get that quick hit of dopamine. It's very easy, there's not much resistance to that. You get that easy dopamine and all you're doing is scrolling. But we have to take note of these things that aren't good for us. You have to keep an inventory of the way you spend your time and understand, um, for example, on your phone, you can check the time, how much screen time you used, you know. If you've got three hours a day of screen time, and that's over um, a week, seven times, 21 hours, you know, that's 21 hours a week that you've wasted on your phone, on your screen, and you have to decide for yourself whether you think that is time well spent. Um, in most cases, I don't think it is. There's nothing wrong with going on your phone, but you know yourself if you would rather spend those 21 hours or maybe 18 of those 21 hours doing something beneficial towards your life. And that is something that's really helped me. When I'm doing something that I think, should I be doing this? I think of the crossroads and I decide, do I go down the path 
advice, um, being lazy, procrastination, or do I go down the other path of arete and decide that I'm going to do something positive towards my character? And the thing I like to think is, you know, if you was to imagine a version of yourself, one that took the bad path, one that took the good path, and it's in 10 years' time, every day they took the bad path. So they went on the phone three hours every single day, they ate the wrong food, they did the wrong thing, they didn't do what they were supposed to do every single day for 10 years. And you have the version of you that put down the phone straight away, got on with what was important, they ate the right food, they did the exercise they wanted to do, they pursued the goals that they actually wanted to do and what is good for them and the people around them. In those 10 years' time, you put those two people beside you. I think just looking at those two people, you would notice a difference. But then talking to them, looking at their life experience, the type of character they are, the character that they control, you would think the one that went down the good path, that's the person I want to be. That's something I think about. So I'm going to read another part of the book from chapter three. The pleasure you gain from the pursuit of your desires can only exist when the object of desire is present. And even in the presence of your desire, the pleasure may dwindle and so the desire grows. We cannot rely on externals for happiness because if the external is gone, then so is the pleasure it provided us. But when we rely on things that are our own, such as wisdom, reason, integrity, and the love of truth, by nature, these things cannot be stolen from us. They are ours. It is not wise to rely on anything that can be given or taken from us. So beginning that part, the pleasure you gain from the pursuit of your desire can only exist when the object of your desire is present. If you have a goal to achieve something and you're working towards it and that is what is fueling you, when you achieve that thing, the thing that was motivating you, then all those feelings that came with the motivation, they dwindle, they disappear because you finally got the thing that you desired. So everything that you had to get to that point goes. And this is a classic example of this is Tyson Fury, the boxer. He wanted to be heavyweight champion. He had all this energy, these great ideas of what it meant to be the champion. He had so much motivation and fuel to be there. And that's what got him through his days. And then when he became what he always wanted to be, he said that's when he was at his lowest. He no longer had all those things that fueled him to that point. So as soon as he got the thing he desired, he lost all his feelings. And we cannot rely on externals for our happiness. It doesn't mean that you can't receive happiness from friends, family, um, objects. They can still give you happiness. You know, I receive happiness when I'm um, with my family. But you cannot rely on them solely for your happiness. You know, if you rely on your partner for everything within you and your partner leaves you, then in a sense you lose everything that they provided for you and you become a shell. And it's the same for objects or status. If your whole identity is wrapped up in your position at a job and your happiness relies on that job and then the company goes bankrupt and you lose that, you don't just lose that job, you lose everything that you have tied to that. And that's the same as personal belongings. If you tie all your happiness to your car and that you in a crash, then you don't just lose the car, you lose everything you have tied to it. So it's not wise to keep tying yourself to externals. So you rely on yourself to be happy. Happiness is an inside job because 
If you're content with nothing, for example, Diogenes, the cynic, he was content just laying on the floor doing nothing. And, you know, we all know the story of Alexander the Great, you know, the leader of a empire, great empire, uh, wealth beyond imagination, power beyond imagination. He had everything. Yet when he went to visit Diogenes, um, he offered Diogenes, said, what can I get you? Diogenes said, move out the way of the sun. That's all he wanted because he was happy with having nothing. And Alexander the Great said to him, if I wasn't Alexander the Great, I would be Diogenes. And Diogenes replied, if I wasn't Diogenes, I would also be Diogenes. Because Alexander the Great, with all his wealth, he still desired more. So in a sense, he wasn't as rich as he wanted to be, so he was telling himself he didn't have enough, he was lacking, he was poor. Diogenes didn't want anything, he desired nothing, so in a sense he had everything he wanted. There was nothing out of his reach, and in that way, he was rich. I'll be reading an excerpt from page 52 to 53. Marcus Aurelius, as well as being author of the Meditations, was an emperor of the Roman Empire. He had enormous wealth and power and little need to restrain himself in anything. But thanks to his study of Stoicism, he recognised he was in no greater position than his forerunner in philosophy, Epictetus, who was born into slavery years before. According to Stoic principles, Epictetus, in fact, had greater access to eudaimonia because he had less wealth. The philosophers recognised that fame and fortune can actually hinder our path there because of the temptations of overindulgence, greed and excess. How much more easily could Marcus Aurelius stray from moderation and justice with all the gold, wine, jewels and power he could ever imagine? But character is about the things you do control. Not your looks, your family, your gold, wine and power, not your follower numbers or likes. These are superficial things that are really about luck more than anything. But your character is something you spend every single day working on and trying to improve. So a good character is truly admirable because it has come about solely because of your own choices and actions. Just a quick word from today's sponsor, Huel. Huel is a quick, affordable, nutritiously complete food with everything that your body needs. And, you know, during the writing of this book, um, maybe I took on too much in my life. I felt like it was way too busy. And what normally happens when I get too busy is things start to fall away. My fitness, um, my social life, my relationships, um, my health. You know, I stop cooking food. I start just eating junk food, going to the shops, getting rubbish because I'm too busy to focus on that. And, you know, I'm a bit pressed down with this workload. You know, I'm writing a book, I'm making a film, I'm running The Everyday Stoic, I'm making short documentaries and videos for Mulligan Brothers, I'm running Mulligan Brothers with my brothers. And I had a newborn, just moved into a house. Everything was a lot. And, you know, then the book gets added to it, weighs me down. But I managed to stay on top because I did have fuel. You know, it, it's a good habit to go towards where I can just grab fuel, drink it, or have the meals, which I really love. And I know I'm having the right thing. It's so quick, practical, and I'm having the right thing rather than 
you know, partway through the day I'm writing and I'm like, oh, I haven't eaten all day. I quickly just grab some junk food. I'm wasting loads of money on junk food. I'm eating loads of rubbish that makes me feel worse. If I got this with me, I know I'm gonna be feeling good. I'm getting everything I need. And especially I managed to keep up my workouts during the writing because I had my protein, had my energy and all was good. So back to the video, chapter three. This is the one thing I loved about Stoicism uh, when I first got introduced is Epictetus, Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius, emperor of Rome, um, wealth, power beyond imagination, and then you have Epictetus who was a crippled slave. But both of these men in their eyes and in the eyes of a Stoic philosopher, both have the same rights and the same opportunity, the same ability to achieve the ultimate goal of Stoicism. And in a sense, you know, the Stoics talk about the Stoic sage. There's this idea of someone that is to follow Stoicism to perfection. And they would be titled the Stoic sage, which is a goal that you can try to attain. I don't think it's achievable, but it's a good goal to work towards. Both of them have the same rights to become a Stoic sage. Um, and it's got nothing to do with wealth, any of that. It's just about your own character. And, you know, many philosophers and many people believe that the wealth and power that some people have, these things that we see as luxuries, and can actually hinder our character. You know, a lot of people we see, they're born rich, their parents are rich, and they no longer feel the urge to work hard. They don't feel the need to have good character, moderation, because they've had everything handed to them. So in many senses, and it's something a Spartan was talking to Masonius Rufus about um, when he was asking about virtue and he was asking if um, struggle, suffering, hard work is a virtue. And Masonius Rufus was shocked at this question. But this came from a place of this Spartan was raised thinking, you know, you work hard, you go through physical endurance and you're rewarded. And he's seen this. This was a belief he had instantly that if I work hard, I go through difficult times, my character is rewarded. So he's seen it as a virtue. And a lot of people shy away from these things, but it's a matter of perspective. But that's what I liked. It made me think, um, you know, I'm not this rich, uh, powerful person. At the time, I had no confidence. I didn't have any of these great things. But if I just focus on my character, the thing that I actually do control, then I can go very far. I remember I made a video about this on how to win at anything, anytime. And the idea is that if you just focus on your character, the thing that you do control, then you always win. You know, a lot of people go to the gym and wanting to make gains, wanting to get better. But the fact is you could go to the gym and get injured and then um, it has an adverse effect. So if your goal when you go to the gym is just to give it your best, um, to not be to not let anything affect your character to diminish the person you are, to not let anything make you do anything bad, what the Stoics call vice. If you stick to what is good and true and live in accordance with your nature, then no matter what happens, it is a test. Um, you injure yourself at the gym, you do not let it waver your character, your mind, and you still don't pity yourself about it. As Dr. Michael Sugru says, all men suffer, but not all men pity themselves. If you stick to what is true to you, your character, in accordance with nature, then no matter what bad, good happens, if you follow this and you improve your character, then you are always winning at everything.
Now, I want to read an exercise from um, this chapter in the book. So, if you were to remember Heracles at the crossroads, how can you choose the path of Arete? Let's take the example of using your phone. If you halved your phone time or more, how different could your life look in a day, a week, or in a year? If you could right now see two versions of yourself as you might look in 10 years time, the one who had taken the road of pleasure and the one who had taken the road towards eudaimonia, do you think you could instantly tell the difference between them? What do you think those differences would be? After just one day of making choices towards Arete, how different do you feel? And that's like I was saying earlier, you know, if you, we all have impulses to do bad and do things that are negative to us. We have impulses to procrastinate. We have these urges within us. There is also an urge and a pull to do good. But what you have to think is every time you get an urge to do bad, you have to make the conscious decision to go down that other path to do good. And this helps me so much thinking about that crossroad because I keep thinking if I do this thing that I don't want to do, or this negative thing that you know we see as tarnishing our character, maybe it's procrastinating, eating the type of food we don't want to do, doing an act that is against our character or shameful, causes shame and guilt within us, which are not nice feelings. Um, we focus on the good action, the good path, and we think about what it can bring us to our character. Because ultimately, you have to sort of think that when you're doing these bad things, it does decrease your character, it tarnishes your character. When you do these good things, it boosts your character and makes you a better person. And it's not instantly, but these little things over weeks, months, years, they make a huge difference. And it becomes a habit, you know, if you keep going down that good path. Um, there's a story of the wagon going through the dirt, the dirt road. In a way, these bad habits are like a dirt road. You keep rolling the wagon through the path and eventually the dirt is dug deeper and deeper and the path gets deeper and deeper. And soon, you know, if you keep taking these bad actions, it is the only path that this wagon can take. And I do think you can steer out of that path no matter how deep the path goes, no matter how stuck in the dirt you are, I do think you can steer out and choose to do good because we always have our will. What the Stokes call the fragment of Zeus, we have that inside us. You know, we can always, no matter any situation, Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about this. He talks, you know, he's a prisoner of the concentration camps and he's talking about his experience and he says, um, Everything can be taken from man except one thing. The last of the human freedoms are our choice to choose. You know, we can always choose who we want to be and decide who we want to be, no matter how deep we go into this trenches. And most of the times it's, this path is dug out because of our own actions. You know, it can be circumstances, but we keep digging ourselves into the path. We keep procrastinating, procrastinating, procrastinating. And you know, the neural networks in our mind uh, um, are going to keep going down this path as well. And they build this habit and it's the easiest path. You know, you build a habit of going down an easy path. So it takes a lot of action to steer out, push out. But if you keep steering towards a good path, soon the dirt gets deeper towards a good direction. It becomes easier to take the action. The 
neural networks in your mind are suddenly going down that path a lot easier and it becomes harder to take bad actions so we can stay on the good path a lot easier. So to summarize this chapter and why it helped me is number one, this gave me a foundation to strive towards. It gave me a beacon of light that I could always look towards, this path towards eudaimonia. No matter what situation I was in life, if I was struggling, I was feeling down, uh, maybe if I had bad thoughts and I was wanting to do bad things, I could always look towards that light of eudaimonia, the path towards eudaimonia, and go, if I just stick within this path, you know, if I follow virtue, if I focus on my character, then I will be going in the right direction, no matter what. And that really helped steer me towards a good direction. But then another thing is now I had direction, but I also knew to focus on my character. So I knew that as long as I try to be a good character and always take something from every lesson, you know, in this book I describe it to life can keep throwing challenges at you. And you know, these challenges say, say they are bricks and tools and nails, all these kind of things. They keep getting thrown at you, thrown at you, thrown at you. And if you decide to be the sort of person that pities themselves, then a brick gets thrown at you, um, you moan, you say, how, how awful is this? Um, some screws get thrown at you, you complain again, and soon you're downtrodden, you're getting all these things thrown at you. Life is being thrown at you. These tools don't just knock you down, they lay in front of you on the floor and they remain there. Because when bad things happen, they knock you down, but also the memory, the regret, the shame of these bad things also hang on to you like a big weight. So, what you do is you decide, these things being thrown at me, they're tools, the materials. I can use them to build up something. Um, the Stoics compare it to being a flame. All these things get thrown at you. Most people get knocked down, but if you're the flame, you'll burn them up and use them as fuel. Everything becomes a lesson. You know, you go through challenges in life, uh, bad things happen, and in my life personally, a bad thing has happened, and um, now, even in the thick of it, and I'm going, this is, I can't wrap my head around this, this is too much, this is hard, life is difficult. I have that knowledge of going, life has given me a huge test, something I don't quite understand, something that's making me want to give up. If I can get the answers to this, if I can solve this problem, if I can get over this problem, have the courage, the fortitude, if I can have the wisdom to get over this problem, that I'm gonna learn so much because I'm not there yet. I don't know how to get past this problem. And it's gonna teach me so much so when I get beyond this, my character has improved and I can help other people that will go through that situation. So it gave me a direction to go, a steady path I can always follow. It gave me something to focus on. And in this chapter, I also learn that I can focus, which is similar to focus on your character, but I don't no longer need to focus so much on the externals, which in this day and age, social media, the news, uh, TV, uh, influencers, everything, all these externals are telling us what to do and who to be. And we get so caught up in, I have to focus on this, I have to focus on this, I have to focus on this. And as Bruce Lee said, hack away at the unessential. The closer to the source, the less wastage there is. 
If you can just start to, instead of thinking, I need to do this, I need to get more, I need to do that, spend your time just going, right, hack away at that. I don't need to do this. I don't need to be following this many people. I don't need to be watching all these news channels. I don't need to be trying to get more shoes, more clothes. I don't need to be trying to get more followers. I don't need to trying to impress this person so that person will like me and this person will respect me. Because ultimately, these things are out of your control. You know, when you talk about respect, you can do everything right and you can be such a good person and that could make someone jealous of you and they can start to spread rumors and suddenly people are losing respect for you. So just focus on what you can control. Don't focus on these things and the world becomes so quiet. And it's, the way I like to imagine it is normally you're walking down a path, no, you're walking down just a huge field and you don't know any direction and there's so much going on and you don't really know where to go. But when you start to hack away the essential, you get rid of that distraction, rid of that distraction, that distraction, and suddenly you start to build your path narrow and you've got your focus, the path towards eudaimonia, and you can just walk it and it's calm, it's quiet. It's an easy path to walk towards. And now you're calm. You can really focus on what is important. So this was just a few bits, some principles, some quotes, um, a little bit of writing from chapter three of my book, The Everyday Stoic, Simple Rules for a Good Life. You know, it's, there's a lot more to this chapter. I talk about um, lessons I learned from Master Shihengye. I talk about things that helped me. I t talk about personal anecdotes. And really, when I think about it, as a whole, this book is an overview of how the Stoic principles guided me to become a person that is happy with themselves, confident, you know, just making these videos or talking to people on the podcasts, everything that I've done, if 10 years ago, when I first read the meditations, if someone said, look at this guy, this is going to be you, you know, um, making a film, um, wrote a book, um, doing this podcast with incredible people, um, talking and working with incredible people from around the world, making films and documentaries with them. Um, I've got my own house, I've got my own family, uh, I'm confident, I'm happy, I feel balanced. I have all these things. If someone said, that's you, I would have definitely not believed it. I, I would have been perplexed and gone, how? Because at that time, you know, I was felt lost, confused, downtrodden, felt weak, um, no confidence, no direction. And I was just told that um, I'm gonna be a laborer. And that's all I believed. I thought, oh, maybe I can, uh, if I'm laboring for 20 years, I can get more wages as a laborer. I thought that, that was my only path. And as speaking with Brittany Polat about this, she was talking about Epictetus talks about the block. You know, imagine you're a wooden block and at that state in my life, I thought, I'm given this block. This is who I am. This is William Mulligan. And this is all you will ever be, is that block. But as the Stokes start to, I learned from the Stokes, is you can start to carve away at this block. You start to shape it into a way that you want it to be. And soon, after many years, 10 years later, I have something. Now, people, people can have their own block. People can think whatever they want of my block, who I am, my own character. I have something that I think is beautiful. It's something when I just reflect on it. 
makes me happy. It makes me content. Um, makes me very grateful for what I have got now. And that all came from picking up this book and just an entry point into Stoicism. And you know, it's I've taped this book together and it's very beaten. Um, but that entry point in Stoicism opened my eyes to realize that I can shape this block. And that's all you need to realize is, you know, you can shape your block. You've been given who you are. You've, you've got your circumstances, they might be awful. You might have had a horrible past, um, terrible things happen to you. But you've got this block that you can shape. And I believe the Stoics gave us such a good path, the blueprint to the good life. That's what I believe thousands of years ago. And it's so relevant to us today. And the book that I've wrote, The Everyday Stoic, Simple Rules for a Good Life, is my path that I took from shaping that block from this horrible, rigid thing that I was not happy with, that I felt so stuck. It was just this huge block, and it was under so much weight, under, uh, it was terrible. And I know so many people, uh, I know it's a common thing at that age to feel like that. Um, and you feel like this can never be shaped. But I'm telling you, you can shape it in something beautiful. And th that is how this book is my 10-year journey to shaping it. And it took me a, a good long time to shape it in something that I think is beautiful and I'm happy with. But hopefully you read this and it can shorten your time because, you know, I always believe that you can only do things yourself. You can only shape your life yourself and get to somewhere yourself. You can only bring yourself to the light. But if you can have a mentor that can show you the light, push you in the right direction, it can take it from being a 10 year, a decade long journey to the good life to a five year, four year, three year, two year. I don't know, it can shorten that journey. So I'm hoping by reading this book, it will lay out the fundamentals, show you how to live the good life and give you practices into do it. It's got actionable practices, exercises that you can take and I hope you can experience what I experienced and becoming a better version of yourself. And I know I'm not the best version of myself yet, but I am very happy with who I am. And I think that's a good place to start. So I hope it can help you have that same journey. I hope this little excerpt and little explanation of chapter three has helped you. You know, um, I didn't want to read through the whole book this is something different. I'm just explaining a few things. There's so much more to that chapter and obviously so much more to the book. But I think that's enough to get you started. And if you're in the States, or you're in Canada, the book is now available for pre-sale. It's available in the UK. Um, and you know, for anyone, different languages, Spanish, Greek, um, many, many, many languages. Um, the book will be available soon for pre-sale, pre-order and then you can read it in your chosen language. I really hope that this book helps you guys. Um, you know, it's helped me so much. E even actually reading my own works, um, I've had to read it a lot to make, sh make sure it's, uh, no mistakes, make sure it's good. I had to read it for the audiobook, and I've been reading it out aloud, um, just because that's what I want to do. And it's helped me a lot. The process was very helpful. I had to really dive into myself and be honest about my life, my life circumstances, how stoic practices have really helped me. That was the hardest part, you know. People always say, how does stoicism help you? I, 
it helps me every single day and every single choice in everything. And I can't just write that for a book because it'll be a very short book. So I had to think of exact situations, difficulties like um, being mugged, um, work difficulties, life, life challenges, um, social challenges, these kind of things. I had to really think about that and how stoicism had helped me in these situations. And I know many people live a very similar life to me, so I know it'll help you. And of course, these teachings are adaptable to everyone's life, so I hope it helps everyone. Thank you to everyone that's ordering the book. Um, and I know it will help you. It's, um, it's been a very great pleasure to write this book and it's gonna be an even more of a pleasure to see people's reactions to it, how much it's helping people. You know, the people that have read it so far to just um, help with the book, to proofread that these kind of things, they've given me uh, incredible feedback. It was truly, um, it was a great experience, you know. I've never liked sharing my work as much as I make all these films and things. I don't really like sharing my work because I always get that feeling that, you know, imposter syndrome, what I'm doing is not that impressive. But people have been going, I, I can't believe this, this is so helpful. Um, and these are people that I speak to a lot, so they've already picked up on a lot of these teachings. And even they were like, I can't believe this, um, these teachings are so helpful. So I know I hope you all. Um, so. For more episodes, subscribe so you don't miss out on these episodes. I've got some great guests lined up. I know this was a solo episode, um, but I'm going to do a few solo episodes just to explain a bit of the philosophy, get the points across that I want to get across, and then got so many great guests lined up for talking. If you have any questions about this chapter or about the book, leave it in the comments and I will give you my best answer. I feel like um, I'm the most qualified person to reply to you actually because it's my book. If there's any people you want me to speak to on the podcast, then leave a comment and I'll make that happen. Uh, I'll try and make that happen. Some people are very hard to um, get in contact with, but you know. If you're interested in any Hulk products, use code EverydayStoke10 for a discount. The link will be in the description below. Um, Huel has been very helpful in my life, um, just ensuring I get everything I need. Um, it lines up with my ethics and it's tasty, delicious and nutritious and it's a product I can really get behind. So if you're the same, then I really recommend it and have a great day. We don't have to have complete control over ourselves. Nobody does, right? Anybody who thinks that they do, that's crazy talk. But um, we have the possibility for like changing this little bit here or this little bit here and it happens through how we prioritize things and the choices we make. And that can be very scary for a lot of people, which is often why they want to hide it away from themselves.